Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're gonna build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Besides... Very nice. Thank you very much. Now, why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? It's leave, you idiot. Make like a tree and leave. You sound like a damn fool when you say it wrong. All right, then, leave! What's your name, dude? Uh, Martin. Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of stupid name is that? Everybody, it's time to say goodbye to a incredibly popular franchise, the Back to the Futures. Today we wrap up our retrospective with Back to the Future Part 3. Now I remember seeing this in the theater and really enjoying myself. I actually remember actually really liking it to the point where I thought it was actually better than the others. Um, and watching it now through the podcast eyes and revisiting it after a few years, I have to take that back and say it's far, far less superior than the other ones. So that's your review, and that's the podcast over then? Right. I am. Thank you guys for joining us today. <laughs> uh, that was Trevor. Thank God no Talk to Who references. Yeah. Um, guys, take care of yourself. Well, there Next is time up. travel, so, you know, and, and there, there is the fan theory that um, Doc Brown eventually becomes Doctor Who. You know, and becomes a time lord. But anyway, uh, um, no, um, oh yeah, I remember this. Whenever this was released, I was on holiday with my family in the Isle of Man, and I talked them into all of us going to see it in the cinema there, and it was great. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And my dad, who's not even um, never been into the the types of films I was into, really enjoyed it too. Especially because it was he liked westerns, so I think he enjoyed the western element, and he thought it was very funny. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're into your westerns, this is definitely for you because it has a lot of nod to the caps, um, including having some veteran actors in there from the westerns, and obviously the old Clint Eastwood um, line. So it does play, it, it, and it does it well. I mean, like all the Back to the Futures do, they have they have they always they ref they're very good at uh, referencing um, stuff, what, what, whether it happened in the past film. Or they planted a seed for it to come for, to the, into this film. They're it's, it's it's they're well structured. Oh yeah, and, um, and they all tie up well together. Yeah, like like I mentioned before, a good trilogy you can remove the credits and just watch one long movie. Yeah, and that's what Back to the Future has successfully done. That's why it's a successful franchise, and it's one of the uh, it's probably one of my favorites because you can sit back and enjoy and watch all three back to back to back, and but. There and if you watch it that way, it probably worked better. But since we're doing this film at a time, and you kind of take a little t- break in between films, as a standalone film, Back to the Future Three is missing uh, one major thing, and I do think it's missing um, the the fun chaos we got, especially from the second one. Um, it's almost they almost play like fun little thrillers. Um, 
and this one really doesn't have that. And they add what worsens it a really bad love scene. Uh, not love scene, but uh, romance between obviously we get Claire and Doc. Yeah, yeah. I must admit, even at the time as a kid, I did not like the, the love story element. I, you know, for me, I when I watch a Back to the Future film, I want to see just uh, Marty and Doc getting into wacky adventures and, you know, Biff running around bullying them and stuff and, you know, all that um, sort of nonsense. I really, um, I'm not in it for the love story element. Uh, um, plus, um, Mary Steenberg's character, uh, or Steenbergen, is it? Um, her character is pretty annoying, Clara. Yeah, well, she plays herself. Um, I like I like Mary Steenberg. We talked about her with uh, Time After Time. Yes. Um, and I do like her. She did a good little film called Dead of Winter mm-hmm. with um, Roddy McDowell. Yeah. Quite good. You guys should check it out. But um, uh, let's dig into a lip. The whole, this, in this sequel, the whole team is back. Zemeckis, Spielberg, and the gang. Um, well, not got... the whole team. Once again, Crispin Glover has missed. Um, I'm still talking about that. Can I can I finish my thing with the cast and all? Go ahead. <laughs> oh my God! This is what I have to deal with, people. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. Wow! As I was really interrupted. Um, the cast returns. We've got uh, Biff and Mad Dog Buf- Buford. Mad Dog. So I think that's his name, Buford. Yeah. Yeah, Buford, Buford Mad Dog Talon. We have Marty McFly and Seamus, played by the same actor, obviously, Michael J. Fox. We got Doc, Claire, Lorraine, pointless scene. Jennifer, you got to have her at the very end just to wrap things up. Um, and a couple of cameos that are kind of silly, but it was nice to see uh, James Tolkien back as Marshall Strickland this time. Um, now, they got pretty much the entire cast back, the only one that was missing. I don't know if you guys heard this yet, but I heard it about a minute ago when I was really interrupted. Get <laughs> um, over yourself. But Chris McGlover is not in it. Um, he's not missed. We made this clear before. I don't think he is because... He is to me. Yeah, you, know, you don't need him. You, you matter of fact, you know, yeah, you, there was no point. There, there would be no rhyme or reason to have him in this. Um, his story has been told. That was the first one. The second story was about the almanac, um, and uh, that was between Marty and Biff. So their story's been told. This is pretty much Doc's story, really. Um, peppered in with some little backstory we'll get about Marty and stuff. But you did not need Crispin Glover in this, so that's why I don't think he's missed. You could have had Crispin Glover play Seamus McFly. I mean, obviously that's what Marty is, um, you know, or not Marty, Michael J. Fox is standing in for Crispin Glover, especially in the second one. Where he plays, you know, the uh, Marty Jr. Why would he step in as Seamus McFly? He looks nothing like it would. He would. He would be Marty's relative. Leah Thompson, um, the had in the threw in as well, and um, you know, and she's basically no relation to <laughs> Marty's mother. So um, yeah, it, you know, the play around with these things, you know, it, it appears the McFly, um, you know, man throughout history. Marry women that are certainly attracted to women that look exactly like Leah Thompson. You know, um, I was waiting for Howard the Duck to show up. <laughs> oh, no, but no, but you know, it's uh, I you had to have her in there, yeah. So I'm yeah. okay with it, and they don't put her in enough to really wreck it. Um, 
But in, in the last podcast um, we did, the, the Back to the Future 2 one, I was saying about the book. It was like the tie-in book for the films. They do address it in the book. They say, yeah, it doesn't really make sense, but we had to have Leah Thompson in it, you know? So far enough. You, you did, and I'm okay with it. Matter of fact, she would be best if you didn't have her. Yeah. Um, and whether it's, like I said, it's it's just, it's a cameo role. Really bad Irish accents. <laughs> um, but I think, actually, I think it's deliberate. Yeah, I'm um, Orish, you know. <laughs> oh God, Seamus. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So this one, let's see. The first one made 384 million worldwide. The second one made 333 million worldwide, and this one made 245 million. Yeah. Um, wasn't as successful, but still, still well received. Still very good reviews. However. Um, I mentioned in the last podcast, I'm still going to hold by it. That trailer they show at the end of part two takes way too much away from this film because there's very little action in this film, um, like I mentioned in the beginning there, and the trailer pretty much gives the whole film away. Um, so I don't know why they were thinking, what marketing exec genius, what producer, uh, which would be Spielberg at this point, and Bob Gale, why would you decide to put a trailer of this film at the end of the second one? It doesn't make any sense. On a personal level, the trailer doesn't bother me at all. But I get from a sort of from a sort of mainstream audience point of view, maybe it did affect it. You know, possibly. Who knows? Well, as we left Marty, he's got to get back to eighteen fifty-five. No, eighteen eighty-five. 1885 to go to go save the doc yeah because he finds out doc brown is going to die in a few days i never get you mentioned this a little bit the one of the uh part one i mean you got a time machine you could at least give yourself a little leeway and give yourself a week or two yeah why do you gotta go back like oh my god i'm gonna go back just a couple days before it all happens yeah they do you're probably gonna need more a couple days of the plot you know yeah, I suppose. Um, I do like when they are in the with the, the drive through. Yes, and they're gonna go for you know, the drive through, and he, obviously he goes. Uh, it's a old western kind of drive through, and he got the the uh, painting of all the Indians. Yeah, near the big, big near the screen. And he goes, I'm going to crash through that wall. I'm going to hit the Indians. He's like, no, you know, no, the car will be 88 miles. You're not by thinking that, fourth dimensionally, Marty. And when he goes through, when the, when the DeLorean goes through time, he runs into a bunch of uh, a bunch of Indians. Real Indians, yeah. <laughs> uh, I do like that intro going into the West. Um, I do find it, every time he runs into a family member, we notice this. He always gets hurt first. Yeah. Um, he always gets, you know, uh, gets unconscious. Um, I had this, this terrible one, dream, mom. <laughs> yeah, same same line, and that's probably why he needed Leah Thompson back because he needed the mom line. Yeah. Well, you're safe and sound back on the McFly farm. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the Irish accents were pretty bad. Um, again, I think they're playing for camp. I don't think they were trying to. Yeah, it's all tongue in cheek. Here. It's not. It's all tongue in cheek, so we can we we can have a good laugh at it. We're laughing with it, not at it. Yeah. Um, I do believe that. I don't know. I just felt. I don't know. I don't. I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I just well, felt. I was it, was, it was kind of. 
it was kind of ugh. as discussed the um the love story element while it's it's far enough to give Christopher Lloyd more to do and his character sort of more of an arc um you know that, that far enough but it, uh, the Clara character is pretty um bland and, and she's too nice you know she's no flaw she's just like super duper nice and you know and i know that they, they addressed that marty had no flaws um in the first one they addressed that in a, in a way in the second one but with um clara she is just like super nice and and she just comes across as super annoying you know yeah um we haven't really been introduced to her yet but yeah you're not wrong i mean there's some flaws coming up with that storyline and we'll certainly dive into it um, like I said, we're not going to really pick on Back to the Future and its time elements and all that crap. But there's one big one here that doesn't make any sense. Um, and if our, any of our listeners can find it, uh, can give us an answer to what I'm going to what I'm going to bring up later, uh, I'd greatly appreciate it because it does confuse me. Um, I do like the whole thing is based around the big ceremony of the building of the clock. Yes, ties in with the clock. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I do like that. The clock has always been a, it's been a character itself. Yeah. Throughout throughout the franchise, so and I do like you have you have uh, Strickland. Um, he's the marshal of the town. Uh, this one he's not a douche. He's actually pretty a cool character. Um, he just you know holds peace and uh, all you know how you have to check in all guns and yeah tough not going to the town. You know he's he's cracking down on all the bad guys, and he has some good words with uh, uh, Buford. Yeah, Tannen. Bulldog. We'll call him Bulldog. <laughs> Mad Dog. Um, Mad Dog. Mad Dog. Yes, Mad Dog. That's right. And again, Scene Stealer is played by, you know, Thomas Wilson. Uh, Biff, Griff, and, and Buford. He's, he, again, steals the show uh, when, he, when he's on it, at least. And he's got a pretty good part in this one. They gave him a pretty good part. Now, the scene where he goes into the bar and he... And he meets Buford for the first time. And I do like the line where he's like, what's your name? Eastwood, Clint Eastwood. He was, what kind of a name is that? <laughs> oh, and yeah. I know they asked. They had to ask Clint Eastwood his permission. Yeah, they give him thanks in the end credits. Yeah, and uh, I, I guess Clint said, I'd be, I'd be honored. Yeah. And uh, there's actually a good line um, later on whenever um, Marty is going to basically back, back out of the, the duel um with uh biff and um the, the guys in the bar going um if you don't go out and fight him um you know basically everyone is going to say that clint is clint eastwood is the biggest yellow belly in the west <laughs> i do like how they switch chicken to yellow belly yeah because that's kind of how they talk back then. exactly I, I was actually looking out for that as well and they wouldn't have used the word chicken so the at least that's you know that's accurate well, I do have one word I don't get that they use. Now, I think they just do it because it's it's Biff, Griff, Buford. Um, he uses the word dude. Yes. Um, is Quite it a dude? Bit. Is it, I'm sort of listening. Is it definitely dude? Yeah. Mm. I never got that. Dude. That's yeah. A, yeah. I, I, that's a 60s California thing. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what was going on there. Um, I, I, to be honest, you would have to be some sort of historian and we would have to look that up to confirm it. But yeah. There you go. Any historians out there? When was Dude Advantage. first created? Yeah. I guarantee it was in 1885. <laughs> um, yeah, I do like the fact when he wakes up and he. And, 
the find out where Marty got his name from. Yes. I thought that was kind of nice. He's yeah, he's no, he's named after um, Seamus' brother who passed. Oh, sorry, right, yes. But what do you, what do you call the baby again? The first McFly born in America? William? Oh, sorry, I'm not too sure. Yes. Uh, William is his first great-grandfather, first McFly born in America. That's right, and it was, yes, it was the brother, but the brother was also shot because he wouldn't, he was like Marty, and that he um, wouldn't back down. He was a... Um, See, I, I like that. Yes. Um, and that's what this film does well. It ties everything in. Yeah. So little things. Why is he so pissed? Why is he, you know, chicken? Why is he always, you know, challenging people? Now we're getting this little history. Yeah. Uh, where he gets it from. And I do like that. Um, so it works on that kind of level. Now when he takes the time machine back there, we find out, I thought the whole, the whole car ran on, uh, junk food and crap. Um, no, that's just the time no. travel element of it. He, he goes, that's just for the time travel element. That's for the flux capacitor. Yep. You still need gas. So they don't know what to do here. So they decide, obviously, they're going to use the train. Which you always think, if Doc Brown could come up with all these little elements to put in the fuel thing, you know, the, yes. to make the train go faster, these little these little bombs. Yeah. You figure you'd figure something to throw in the chuck in the DeLorean. But then the film would be over um, in like 10 minutes as soon as Marty got back to 1885. <laughs> the end. Yep. <laughs> so he, he's, he's got to go back because, he, okay, so the, the scene where they, they first meet Clara, right? And uh, they save her life from, uh, because the horse and carriage get scared. Yeah. It's about to go over um, the ravine. They're going to go over the ravine and Doc saves her. And that's where they kind of fall in love. And you find out that it, that place was named Claire Ravine because Clayton of Ravine. her death. What? Clayton Ravine. No, but it was named after for her. Yes, yes, Clayton Ravine, Clara Clayton. Oh, Clara Clayton. Okay, I didn't know the last name. So Clayton Ravine, right? We got that. We're all together here, right? Yep. So it's named after she dies. Yes. Well, if that's the case, when Marty got the letter... In eight in nineteen fifty five, from Doc from Western Union, with the picture of him by the clock. Yeah, we find out when he goes to the library or something. I can't remember. He goes to the library, I believe. I can't, I can't remember here. And he looks up Doc, and he sees that Doc Brown's dead. Mm-hmm. He's um, shot. We find out he's been shot by Buford, right? But on the gravestone, it says for my beloved wife Clara. Claire. Yeah. Right? Well, why would he have met her? Y- yeah, exactly. Not only Marty the, wasn't there yet. The, the, so nothing has changed time-wise. Well, yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. There is a bit of a plot hole there. Um, the only way around it is that perhaps she, um, for some other reason, Doc was out at the ravine that day and saved her life, but, um, you know, in a timeline without Marty. Um, but yeah, it, it's convoluted and it, it is a bit of a plot hole. Okay. Well, well, look, yeah, look, look, I mean, see, I, I mean, see, it's see, to be fair to the Back to the Future trilogy, it's pretty tight in terms of time travel. See other time travel series like um, even Doctor Who, The Terminator. You know, there is a lot of sort of um, playing loose and fast with it all. So there is, um, I would say, the Terminator series especially, which is a complete mess. Um, but back, back, I think it's because there only is three Back to the Future films, you know. So it's pretty tight. 
Yeah, and, and like I said, we're not nitpicking that, but that's kind of a big We game. are nitpicking that. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe. Um, I do like all the Western nods mm-hmm. uh, with the spittoons. Um, and I do like when they walk in the bar where you've got, uh, what's his name, Dub Taylor, Pat Bertram, and Harry Carey Jr. Yes, they're all they're Western the, actors. All Western actors always play town folks or town drunks. Yeah. Um, you can even recognize their voices. Yeah. Um, and I always like that. And when the when the gang comes in, and he's like, uh, Nikei, oh my God, what kind of Asian talk is that? <laughs> when he's wearing his Nikes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like I, I like whenever I, Marty says, uh, oh, you're, you're Mad Dog Talon. And he goes, no, I, you know, he hits that name, and they're all backing off. And he actually goes, dance, dance. And Marty starts doing the moonwalk. The moonwalk is so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> And then he sort uh, of uh, uh, he goes, well, we've got a new town hall. Let's celebrate it with a hanging, you know. That, that's quite that's quite a good scene. I do like the intro between them two. And I do think the scenes with them two really work. Yes. Um, you mean with I do like... No, between Buford and Martin. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a really good scene. And well, all the scenes with them. And we referenced this in part two when he has to do the shootout with uh, with Buford. Um, he copies what happened in the Clint Eastwood film. Uh, what one would they copy? It was Fistful of Dollars. Fistful of Dollars when he puts um, the the cast iron. Yes, as a bulletproof vest, basically. As a bulletproof vest, which is what Clint did in the uh, in the film. Um, and they planted that seed in the second one, so we knew it was coming. Yeah. And so, again, I like that. Uh, it's kind of funny because you can kind of always see when something's coming. But you gotta wait to the next film until it's yeah. u- until it's used again. Um, well, I'm but gonna, it's I'm going to nitpick here. See, in the second film, we catch um, an old photo of Buford Tannen, and it's a different look than the one we see in this film. Um, and again, I was reading up on that, and apparently that was down to it was uh, an early sort of test screen of Buford that you used in the second one, but they did change it for the third one. Why? What do you look like? Just slightly. I mean, it's obviously the same actor. But there is just a slightly different sort of look and sort of outfitty type thing, you know. There's a lot. Remember, he we referenced in part two where he can use a gun. Yes. You know, he's playing the video game. Yes. Elijah Wood in that scene. Yeah, that comes up as well. Yeah, and this one, he goes to that little shoot arcade game. Yeah. And he gets everything. He goes, "Where'd you learn to shoot like that?" Yeah. He's like Seven <laughs> Eleven. Yeah, they don't know what he's talking uh, about. <laughs> I know. Well, U.S. people would understand the Seven Eleven joke. No, 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 I don't. But um, but people in the West wouldn't. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of the charm of it. Yeah. Um, and then he he runs into Strickland. He goes, "Remember the word discipline." Yes. Which is a you know the word he uses it. Yeah. Through, constantly at Marty through the uh, franchise. Yeah. But again, Strickland, uh, Marshall Strickland doesn't use the word slacker because I don't think that would have been a word back then. Although apparently dude is, but you know. I'm pretty sure I'm 97% the head, it's dude. Yeah. It does sound like it. Um, I do like when he, he gets into a fight with Marty, uh, Buford, and he, they're, they're trying to stage, okay, when do you want to meet? We're gonna meet at like seven a.m. Whatever it is, we're gonna meet and we're we're gonna have ourselves a good old gunfight. Yeah, and he goes uh, uh, tomorrow. Well, I'll see you tomorrow. 
And then it's fun. The guy whispers to him, we have a robber. We got to rob the train. Oh, okay. How about Sunday? Oh, no, we got to. Okay, Monday. Is Monday okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It goes um, 7 o'clock. I like like to do my killing before breakfast. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. But, uh, again, there's not much to talk about here because the rest of the film, once you kind of get reintroduced to – um, Leah Thompson and uh, Seamus and uh, Biff again, or Buford that is, and all the other you know reoccurring characters. Yeah, you kind of left in this lull part, and it's really about Doc and Claire. Well, although the finale is you know whenever they're doing the whole train thing and stuff, it is pretty tense, especially when compared to sort of most films out there. Um, you know, even at the time, it's nowhere near as tense, and, and the stakes aren't as ha- nowhere near as high as the original film in the series. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think... Um, I don't know. I just think it doesn't play out as... Because in this one, they're trying to get... They need to get to the train, um, get to the DeLorean, get into the DeLorean, and they have to take... But first, they have to take over the train. Yes. Um, and then take the caboose... Uh, dismantle the dismantle disconnect the uh caboose left because it needs less weight yeah and then utilize that yeah i really think it would have been better if most of this film took place on the train and it has to deal with them actually taking over the train it was way too easy for them to take over the train yeah oh they had it done in seconds it was basically uh, yeah um uh, basically there's a joke where the guy goes is is this a hold up and Doc goes, no, it's a science experiment. And that's it. Basically, your man just gives up the train. You know, you have, you have the showdown with Buford, which we talked about, where, you did the, where Marty did the Clint Eastwood. Yes. Um, and, of course, he falls in the manure, which you have to have. He always falls in manure. Yeah. But I hate manure. <laughs> the, the problem is the whole Buford and the gang should have happened. It would have been really good if Buford was on that train yeah, with them. Yeah, totally. And, and, and that's them. where the finale should have been between them two. Yeah, Buford and his gang um, trying to stop, you know, trying to get at, um, obviously they don't know about time travel, but um, trying to stop Marty and Doc or trying to get at them to kill them type thing. So they've that to deal with, plus get the DeLorean up to 88 mile an hour by um, getting it pushed by the train, you know, instead of the that's stupid, Doc, Emmett, Emmett. It was just, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then you had Claire who takes the horse to go, you know, because she thinks he's nuts because he, he confesses what they're trying to do. Yes. And then she all of a sudden believes him all of a sudden. Yeah, yes, yeah. Because she sees the fucking, the, you know, the, basically the mock-up he's done of, you know, time machine, you know. Well, it's a fucking piece of wood. I don't think he believes Yeah. It's, but. Yeah. Yeah, so she just takes the horse and, and starts racing for the train, which is, again, she should have been on that train. She should have been going home, like leaving town or something. And then she'd be on the train I remember, as a passenger. Yeah. That would have been a better way to go. Yeah, I remember at the time, watching it at the time as a kid, being pissed off that Doc didn't go, get to go back to 1985 with Marty, you know, and he flew off with her um, on, on the hoverboard, you know, to live happily ever after with their creepy kids that, that pop up later on the, on the train time machine, you know, um, that looked like something out of um, Village of the Damned. <laughs> but... Um, 
But um, yeah, it's just a bit. Yeah, I remember at the time being annoyed because again, for me, Back to the Future, it's all about. Uh, I mean, there's obviously there's a brilliant supporting cast, you know, stellar supporting cast. But to me, it's ultimately about uh, Marty and Doc getting into crazy adventures in a time machine at DeLorean. You know. Yeah. By the way, and... here's a bit, of, a bit of trivia for you. A completely useless trivia for oh um, you don't and all the it. listeners. Don't, don't, but DeLoreans were actually um, made okay. in Northern Ireland. And I ended up um, working in the DeLorean factory. But not whenever it was the DeLorean factory. It was um, it was a factory in Dunbarry. And it was later taken over by Bombardier Shorts aircraft manufacturers. And I worked in it when it was Bombardier Shorts. But um, it was still the same factory where the DeLoreans were made. So there you go. <laughs> Told you it was useless. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got one one part of that statement, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So this whole, like I said, I just, I do think it's it does it does it is quite tenseful. Um, I'm gonna be blunt with you, Claire. Uh, when Claire shows up with Emmett with going to Doc, Emmett, and I was like, oh yeah, her screaming, and I was like, oh. it kind of took it took it out for a little bit yeah, for me. Yeah. Um, I just want to focus on Doc and Marty. That's the way it's always been for other, other the other two. Yeah, we don't need anybody else here. Our character um, feels like an imposter to the story. Yeah, I. She was. You know how you? Oh, they were just written in. Yeah, she was just written in. Yeah. Um. Uh. So, I I get that they want to give Christopher Lloyd more to do and more of a, you know, to do acting wise and stuff and his character more of an arc, but at the same time, mm, didn't work for me. So when they finally, when they, when they, I do like when he gets back and the DeLorean's on the train tracks and then the train comes and destroys the DeLorean. I do like that. Eastwood Ravine, it's now named as well, which is a nice wee touch. Eastwood Ravine, that's right. That's right, because he went off the ravine. And and everyone back in Hill Valley in 1885 would have thought, Clint Eastwood um, was dead, he went off the ravine, (laughs) you know. Um, Because I would have wondered what happened to Clint Eastwood. (laughs) When they after the train after after he gets hit with the DeLorean, he goes back to you know Lion Estates. Yes, and there's Biff being a dork again. Yeah, hey Marty, <laughs> you look like a real cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> he plays he plays all the characters. He you know all the different characters he's got to play: the badass, the dork, yep. the idiot. He he just he just plays. Oh, he's very very good. Whatever direction he's given, okay, this is the Biff we're playing this time. Yeah. He plays it so Middle well. Middle-aged Biff. And even in the first one where there's, um, at the start, there's tough nut asshole middle-aged Biff, you know? Yeah, I mean... Where he's brilliant, George. Uh, <laughs> McFly, hello. <laughs> um, I do like we see Needles again. Yes. Uh, which is played by Flea, Flea for the Red Hot Chili Poppers. And then he, he goes, what are, you, what are you, chicken? And he was going to race him, yeah. but he decides not to. Yeah, so he doesn't have the accident um, where it ruins his music career. Yep. So that all comes full circle. So he got he got his arc. Yes. You know. So pretty much all characters got their arc. Yeah. At the end of the day. Yes. It's all wrapped and up well, to be fair. It, it does wrap up well. Um, I do like when he goes back to the train, where the DeLorean and the DeLorean is still in pieces. Like nobody is. Picked up the pieces here. No one has seen this yeah. train wreck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nobody's questioned what, what what all this like sort of like flux capacitor is and stuff. And you know, uh, but yeah, they come back and he's in this cool, all decked out, very very Jules Verne kind of train. Yes. Um, and he's got two kids, really 
Yeah, village of the Damned. Kids. Yeah, the, the Village of the Damned kids. Yep. Yeah, they got the bowl cuts. Yeah. <laughs> they look like little, like little Damien children. Yeah, horror film kids. Village of the Damned kids. Yeah. Uh, and then he gives him the frame picture of him and Doc by the clock. Yeah. Yeah. And then he flies off in the time machine train. Yeah. And the franchise is over. Yeah. I'm glad they've never remade this, and I really hope they never do. But they probably will, you know. You know. Well, I don't see it happening, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm surprised they never tried, and I'm sure I'm sure they've been bugged about it. This would probably make a good TV series. There was a cartoon series. Yeah, but I'm I'm talking about something good (laughs) (laughs) because TV's gotten a lot better now. Yeah. Um, so I think they could do a nice job with, you know, different adventures and stuff. But again, the only problem you can't do Back to the Future, not because you can't redo it, it's because you can't replace, you can't replace Michael J. Fox. Yeah. Or Christopher Lloyd, really. Yeah. And even, even if you put, you give him different character, different characters, still won't work. Yeah. It's and, not. and George McFly as well, you know, that they wisely don't replace George McFly with a different, uh, you know, with a different actor, uh, allowed to do, but it's just a sort of cameo standing in the second one. Because who, who, who could, um, you know, be as good as Crispin Glover in the original? You know. Yeah, so it's definitely a franchise that I know, I know somebody's not going to Zemeckis' door every day, um, but yeah, I don't think they'll touch. When it they pass, point. when um, when the time eventually comes, when and Zemeckis and Bob Gale have passed, I bet you there is a remake I bet you there is I think it's going to be in their will I hope so I hope so I really hope they do put it in their will they don't yeah I don't yeah there's got to they probably have that ironclad like their estate or their family or whatever uh, yeah exactly unless their family just sells them out (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, some 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 shithead dad's dead now hey who wants back to the future for you know billions of dollars yeah and then they'll do a Disney so, Star Wars on it. Hey, uh, do you hear that rumor that Disney wants to dump Marvel? They want to what, sorry? Dump Marvel. Right. Um, well, Marvel's down on its you know feet anyway. I think it's it's run its course and then some, you know. But uh, once you know, D- Disney seem to be in a complete and utter mess at the moment. Again, they need to get they need to get rid of Lucasfilm and they need to get rid of Marvel if they want to kind of revamp again. Right. Uh-huh. And start doing edgier stuff. They did some good edgier stuff. Disney and edgy and, are two words that don't go together. Yeah, no, that's not true because Disney had some balls in the late seventies. They started putting out adult kind of uh, they got they were known as the animated company. Yeah. So they wanted to do more, you know, uh, live action. Yes. And they did a couple of really good films I really enjoyed. Watcher in the Woods, Something Wicked This Way Comes. Yeah, I remember those. Yeah, yeah. Um, Black Hole. Yeah. So, and then they created Hollywood Pictures and Touchstone Pictures. Yeah. Those are all, so they could do R-rated material. Yeah. So they wanted to compete with, you know, all the other, all the big boys because animation was just a one-trick pony for them. And then, and then uh, so they, they went that direction. Disney was smart. Uh, young Disney. I mean, well, 80s Disney. Not at the moment. They're they're trying to they're 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 biting off uh, more than they can chew, and they're trying to buy out everything. Yeah, and it's just not working. 
and they're making bad decisions. What should go on video on demand? What should go in the theaters? Um, I'll give you a perfect fucking example. Uh, Fox, who's owned by fucking Disney, put out uh, put a movie, the little movie that won, it's up for an Academy Award, one of the most praised films of last year, which was a movie called Prey, which we talked about. Yeah. Um, and it is brilliant, and I would have loved to have seen that in the big screen. I would have paid to see that in the big screen easily. It's a big screen film, but no, they just put it on video and chucked it in there. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so I just don't know. I just, no, we're going to concentrate in resurrecting Luke Skywalker or whatever. It's like, I'm just bored yeah. to the back teeth of modern made, mainstream cinema and the whole Mar- Marvel. St- all, all of these don't bite the, it just bores the life in me. Marvel, um, you know, Star Wars and stuff. I'm just sick to the back te- teeth of it. And I haven't even seen most of them. You know, all these multiple TV series. I'm just sick of, you know, it's just, it's complete. It, it just appears to me to complete, to be complete overkill. And, you know, b- back when we were growing up, you know, things like Indiana Jones films, Star, Star Wars films, they were massive events. These days, it's like every week, a oh, new Star Wars series, a oh, new Marvel series. It's just like, you know, uh, yeah, it's just that they've just run them all completely into the ground. Yeah, yeah, they shot themselves in the foot, so. Yeah. And the smart one in this group was um, Sony. Yeah, uh, who own Columbia Pictures? They said you're not touching Disney. You will never get our Spider-Man property. Good on them. And and up in Columbia, guess what? They've maintained the best of the franchise, which had been the Spider-Mans. Yes. And they've kept so, um, so Columbia and Sony, be be wise. Keep keep your Spider-Man in, in your place, and hopefully you can get some of the other Marvel property from Disney now. I, That's the way yeah. you should do it because I think if anyone can be competent enough to handle Marvel, I think. Sony would be the guys to give it to. And there's talk now as well. There's rumors that Elon Musk is going to be banning them over Disney. Oh fuck no! There is talk oh, of that. I know, but I don't. I don't want him. He's nuts. Welcome <laughs> to that job. Well, he, he's not really a sort of film guy, but you know, <laughs> he's not, he's he's not he's known only... for his you know films. But yeah, who knows? Uh, I, I to be what? honest, I, I checked out with Disney like when I was a kid. Uh, to to me, my sisters watched um, you know like classic. Disney films, you know, like Sleeping Beauty, you know, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, all that there, and, you know, Mary Poppins and all that there. So to me, Disney was never my thing. So I, 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 I say I checked out as a kid. I wasn't, I was never checked in with Disney, you know. No, I always followed them. I've always watched the Disney, they always said Sunday, Sunday night movies were always a Disney film um, on ABC. Um, which, and so I always, I've always been a Disney nah. kid. Even as a kid, I'm not... I, I watched like proper like fucking um, films for kids, like um, Hellraiser and the Evil Dead and Freddy yeah, well, And that's why, you know, there's a warrant. Out. That's why they're. That's why you're being watched by every, you know, the FBI, CIA. <laughs> and and then later on, when I got a bit older, I was uh, voted by my classmates as um, classmate most likely to turn out as a serial killer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it all it all makes sense. It all makes sense. <laughs> wow. All right, guys, we're going to wrap up Back to the Future. Uh, uh, it's been a fun retrospective um, seeing Marty McFly and the gang again. Uh, we are going to give you a little treat. We're going to take a little break, and we're going to give you... That's right, we've talked Stallone. We've talked uh, Dolph Lundgren. We've talked Von Damme. We've talked Arnold, but we haven't talked Steven Seagal. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh boy. I will say we've got go. a treat. When Kieran says we've got a treat lined up for you, you can you know, there's two ways of looking at that. If you mind. Yeah, it's either go fuck yourselves <laughs> or go fuck yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, we're gonna do his first outing a movie called Above the Law. Um so yeah. And then we jump back into a retrospective and we've been promising you for a while now, and it's finally happening, the Nightmare on Elm Streets. Ooh. Now, the Nightmare on Elm Streets are a long franchise, kind of like what we did with the Friday 13th. We're going to pepper in one and two together, three and four, as one podcast. So, you get two podcasts for the price of one, I guess you can say. Um, so, it, it, it should be a fun one to do. Uh, the only one we're not going to be doing in that retrospective will be Freddy vs. Jason. We'll have a quick chat about it, but we've already talked about that with the Friday 13th retrospective. So, uh, there you have it. Next up, Above the Law, and then Nightmare on Elm Street. You guys take care of yourselves. Uh, give us a shout. And let, let us know if he does say dude. I'm pretty sure it's dude. It sounds like a... Uh, yeah. You can get us at Citizen Frame underscore podcast on Instagram and, of course, Facebook. We're out of here. Have a good night.